What's up? My name is Carter Ross, and I am on skate staff here at Falls Creek. You're listening to week four of the Falls Creek podcast. The speaker for the week four was Brian Mills, and we have 4,785 students in attendance. Enjoy. Jesus Christ is our living hope. Amen? He is our living hope. Everything, when you think about hope, and the world wonders, where's our hope? What do I have to hope for? What do I have? It's like what I talked about a little bit last night, right? Like, do I have anything greater than my now? Like, what's happening right now in my life? Is there, is there anything better? And uh, the answer is good news tonight. Falls Creek, and it's Jesus. Period. That's enough. Amen? Jesus is enough. The question is, is he enough for you? And we're going to look at some of that tonight as we continue to evaluate the gauges in our life and how are we doing in our life and what gauges are going off where it's like, man, man, I've got, I've got to change. Like, uh, I'm terrible at directions. Like, I use Google Maps to go from the hotel to here, right? Like, I can't get anywhere without Google Maps or Waze. I sure don't turn on Apple Maps because Apple Maps don't know how to take you anywhere, right? And if you follow Apple Maps, you're guaranteed to go the wrong spot. But uh, I use Google Maps or Waze, and, and everywhere I go, I use one of those maps. And every now and then, I'll veer off the path. Anybody ever veer off the path? And I'm like, I got this. I don't need Google Maps. I can do this on my own. And what happens, I get off path, and then my Google Maps starts yelling at me. Please turn around. Make a safe U-turn. I actually gave her an Australian accent. Uh, that way, it's just a sweeter voice yelling back at me uh, because I was getting mad at it, like I'm about to throw you out the window because I got this. And, 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 and she's like, you need to turn around. No, I got it. Turn around. I got it. I'm like yelling at my car. So dumb, right? And uh, I got it. U turn, U turn, U turn. And, and finally, if you listen and you make the U turn, you get back on track. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter is looking at the church and he's saying, You need to make a U turn. You need to turn around. And you need to trust in the divine power that's living within you if you're a believer. If you're not, you need to surrender your life over to Jesus. And remember, I'm going to give you plays that you can run in your life. And I'm going to give you seven plays over the next two nights. And in the midst of those plays, I'm going to give you plays that you can run in your faith so that you do not get burned out, so that you do not lose hope, so that you do not veer off path. But you can't veer off a path you've never gotten on. See, Peter is writing this to believers. This passage is really to those who have already surrendered their life to Jesus. But I want to make it clear as we preach through it tonight that you cannot work your way to heaven. It's not possible. You can't do and end up in heaven. You can't go to church more. You can't read your Bible more. You can't love people more. You can't be more kind. There is nothing you can do to get to heaven. And so I want to show you something before we get into the text tonight. And I want to kind of illustrate this to you on a chart on the screen. And then we're going to go through uh, 
about five plays that you can run in your faith. And then we're going to come to the end, and I'm going to give some of you a chance to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight. And I believe hundreds of you are gathered in this place. And uh, that tonight that you're going to say yes to Jesus. I just believe that. And I'm praying that over you, and I'm praying that for you. But I want to illustrate something to you tonight. If we can throw the first image of that graph up. See, when we're born, it's us and God. And there's a gap in between us and God. We can't do anything to cross that gap. There is nothing we can do. Genesis chapter 3 happened. Sin crept in and jacked up everything, right? I mean, sin crept into the world. And and by the way, uh, when sin crept in the world, uh, uh, it, it separated us and God. But God was dissatisfied with the fact that we could not spend an eternity in heaven. So what did he do? He sent us Jesus, and Jesus died on a cross for you and for me. And it bridged the gap. Now the cross did not move us, but it gave us the option to move. (laughs) Did you hear it? It didn't move us. It gave us the option. See, Jesus came as a gift. And you get to choose to say yes or no to that gift. And when you say yes, at the point that you move over, and when you say yes, that's the point of salvation. That's where salvation happens. And if you've had that moment, many of you never said yes to that gift, but if you've had that moment, then it moves you on what I call the the chart of sanctification. You say, what's that word? It's a process of becoming more like Christ. It's a starting point. And so it's just a step by step process. Let me show it to you. Can we put that chart up? It's sanctification. And along the journey of sanctification is the path that we've got to do to begin to add to our faith. We're going to see that tonight. Just leave that right there up for a moment, if you will. Uh, But it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 6, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So when we preach this in a minute, what are we talking about? We're talking about the process of sanctification how you need to add some things to your faith so that you can grow up because there's some Christians in here that you might have got saved a decade ago and you're still acting like a baby amen like you're still drinking on milk when you could be eating a steak stop drinking milk let's go get us a steak amen like I'm a meat and taters kind of guy I know some of you are vegetarians and you're totally against me right now it's totally cool that's fine, uh, but I want me some meat and taters, y'all, and uh, I love it. Like, that's what I need in my life, and, and it's a process that we've got to add to our faith. So let's get into the text tonight, and we'll come back to that in a moment. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. For this very reason, Peter says, before he dies, before Nero kills him and hangs him upside down on a cross, he pleads with believers. He says, hey, y'all, listen, everybody, listen, don't miss, make every effort. Give it all you got. Make every effort to add to your faith. You need to add to your faith goodness and goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness. And we're going to stop there tonight and we're going to cover the next two tomorrow night. But he says, make every, give it everything. And and when you give it everything, you say, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to give it everything I've got. If I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus 
And I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I'm not going to play in the same playground I've been playing in. My playground changes. My life changes. Because when you become a follower of Christ, you're a new creation. You say, Pastor Brian, how do I know I'm saved? How do I know that I've started on the journey? You, that means you're different. Salvation means you've surrendered your life over to Jesus. And this is what Peter's teaching here. If, if, you're, if you've done that, you're going to make every effort because you've fully committed. You're, you're, you're all in. You, you should face the conviction, the discipline of God that Hebrews speaks about when you do wrong, right? Your life should look different. Saved people live saved, right? Surrendered people live surrendered. They live different. And so what Peter's trying to say is, hey, we've got to make every effort. We've got to do all that we can to live out our faith because this culture is pulling us away. Remember, I preached on that last night. The culture's pulling. Jesus is saying, through Peter in his word, make every effort, every effort to what? To add to. Why? Because there's things you just got to do to add to. If you want to get better, you got to add to. If you want to get bigger, right, you got to add reps. Like I gave myself this really dumb challenge this year. So I'm 40 years old. I know I look 25, and I appreciate all of you encouraging me with that. Uh, but I'm, I'm 40 years old. And, uh, and in the midst of that, this year I decided when I turned 40 that I was going to commit. I, I've never been able to do a bunch of push-ups in a row. And I've just never been able to do that. Like some of you are like, I'll take you on push-ups right now because I'm a man. Hoo, hoo. And you just roll, right? More power to you. Praise God for you. And, uh, but that was never me. And, and so I looked at my wife just randomly and I go, hey, by, by one year from now, I'm going to do three sets of 100 push-ups in a row. I'm just going to roll them out. Three sets. Boom. 100. Take a break. 100. Take a break. 100. So I've been working up to that. And, and can I tell you how I'm doing it? I'm just adding five a month. That's it. So I started, did as many as I could, and that's where I started at. And then I just started adding five a month. I did them today, did I not, Parker? I, I got down on the floor in my little hotel room, and I did push-ups. And so I'm just adding five a month. Now I can do a lot of push-ups. Now I don't want you walking up to me at camp saying, let's have a push-up competition, right? You have one by yourself. See if you can do four. And, uh, and then we'll talk, right? And, and so, but, but I've just started adding to you. say, well, that might be impressive that you could do three sets of 100 push-ups in a row. Maybe or maybe not. Maybe I just committed to add something to my life each month to make myself better. I just added two. And I added two. And I added two. There's not a sixth grader in this room or a seventh grader in this room that could not do the exact same thing. You could add five every month, and by the end of the year, you're pushing up, uh, doing 100 push-ups, right? Because you just add two. Why would we not do the same spiritually? Why would we not want to grow up spiritually? See, the problem with Christianity today is we get on that chart and we never get off the starting line. We never grow up. Listen, mature Christianity is not a result of age. It's a result of you adding to in your faith. I know a lot of really old people that are really immature in their faith because they're not adding to in their faith. we got to add to. So watch what he tells us to add to. This is good. Y'all need to get ready to write some of this down because this is just 
really good stuff, what he walks us through. For this very reason, we got to add to our faith that he's given us. And then for, in the midst of adding to our faith uh, that, that we got to walk through, he, he walks us through a few very simple things. First, you need to add to your faith goodness, right? Goodness is translated like moral character. You got to do what is right. Like that you need to add to your faith that you're going to live different because surrendered people live surrendered. Like I got a buddy, um, a young man that I admire significantly, just graduated college. And uh, uh, in college, he gave his life to Christ and he was living the fraternity scene. And I'm not going to go into that scene. It's just a really dark, bad, bad scene. And the, the room's just way too young, and it's not even appropriate to go in to all that would take place in the midst of the fraternity world. And, and this young man had decided to follow Jesus, and when he decided to follow Jesus, he happened to still be living in the frat house. And it was a conflict of interest. Do I participate in frat house things, or do I participate in my new life? He had to make a choice. And so one night, he just decided that I'm going to, uh, instead of stay in the house at night while they're partying and while they're doing everything they should not do, I'm going to go sleep in my car until the party's over. So every night of sophomore year of college, he just started sleeping in his car. Why? Because he wanted to add to his faith. And he wanted to add to his faith goodness. And he wanted this goodness to be added and he wanted to bring glory to God and he wanted to escape the corruption in that the world calls evil desires that we talked about last night he wanted to run from it uh, let me ask you are you running students are you running from the sin that so easily comes at you are you just choosing more excellence in a crowd this large and in this world right here there's a lot of sin coming at you. One of the most common sins in this room would be the sin of pornography. And it's consuming people, they say statistically today, by the age of the fourth grade. By the fourth grade, it's consuming you and it's coming at you. What do you got to do to battle that sin? You got to dive into God's word and you got to flee. You got to run. You got to throw things away. You got to get rid of things. Some of you need to delete Instagram, amen? Some of you need to get rid of your iPhone and buy a flip phone, praise God. And, and, so, you know, and people ask you why. And why do you carry a flip phone and not an iPhone and not a multimedia device? You want to know why I don't do it? You, you want to know? Yes, what you can tell. I, I don't because I, I just wanted to grow up in my faith. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? <laughs> you ever thought a flip phone was designed to share the gospel? Why not? Moral excellence. He not only says that, add to your faith moral excellence, but he says into goodness, knowledge. Grow in your faith. Grow in your understanding of the word of God. Grow in this deep belief. I'm going to tell you a story, another story about when I was in South Asia at the end tonight. But uh, one thing I walked away with when I left uh, one of the top ten most dangerous countries in the world to go for believers. When I, when I was flying home, my prayer, I wrote it in my journal, was this. Lord, give me that belief. Give me the knowledge they got. Give me the belief they got. Because when you're saved and you believe it, <laughs> you live it. When you're saved and you believe it, you truly believe it, you're willing to die for it. 
You're willing to give up everything. And they were so willing to give up everything. And so they had this deep conviction. So you had the first play of moral excellence. And you had the second play of goodness. And, and you've got to have this goodness. And you got the knowledge that, that you want to evaluate. Where are you in this knowledge world? And, and are you dealing with the knowledge? And, and are you running to God? You see, the problem is a lot of us uh, run to religion and not run to Jesus. That's why there's a, there's a book called The Unsaved Christian. I just finished reading it. Really, really, it'll just kick you in the teeth all over the place. And, uh, and one thing it talks about is cultural Christianity versus biblical Christianity. Too many times we believe just what the culture says, that you're a Christian, when you're not following what the Word of God says and you never surrendered your life over to Jesus. See, we don't have a full understanding. I, I think sometimes you know, we don't live out our faith because we don't understand our faith because we don't add to our life an understanding of the Word of God. We've got to add to our faith with great knowledge. But then we've got to add what? Self-control. Now here's a big one, y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, this one's going to be tough. They need to know what's coming, right? Self-control. You need to add to your life self-control. I'll never forget when I was in the ninth, uh, or no, I was in the eighth grade. When I was an eighth grader in Hot Springs, Arkansas, I, uh, I, I, just, I just was, I, I was kind of like figuring out the whole girl thing. And, uh, and, and I was like, I'm, I'm just going to try and date some girls, which it doesn't make sense when you're in the eighth grade, right? Uh, like, how am I going to date a girl? Back then, we didn't even have cell phones. Uh, we had rotary phones, right, where you had to dial. And uh, my, I don't even know how, how it, if it, it even worked. But, but I wanted to, like, really, you just walked around school and carried their books. That's really all you did. They wore your Letterman jacket. Back then, you had Letterman jackets. We were just super dorky and, uh, and just like Nerdville. And, and here we go. And so I, I remember this, but I also... Uh, adopted this idea that uh, every four-letter word was cool. And so I adopted this idea that cussing was cool. And so, man, I was, I was a heck of an eighth grader, man. I'm walking around just dropping the language, just rolling. I was, oh, I was it. Name me Mr. Mills, right? And I'm just, I, I'm King Daddy. And at the same time, I'm trying to be a leader in my youth ministry. At this other time, I, I'm trying to be all that. And I got this language flowing. I'm trying to be Mr. Popular. I'm doing everything I can. And this young lady that I was trying to date that was in my youth ministry, when I say date, really just have a conversation with. And in this conversation, I was trying to have with her. And, uh, and, and, and I'd sent a friend over to say, hey, what do you think of Brian? <laughs> Because uh, you always send a friend in the eighth grade. You don't have the guts to do it yourself. Really, y'all don't anymore either. You just use direct message and text message anyways. Y'all don't ever ask anybody Facebook. Anyways, and so I, I did the same thing, right? I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. And, and so I, I sent a friend over, and, and, and she said something. So I walked over there, and uh, when I walked over there, I, I walked with, you know, just the swag a little bit, and I'm just, I'm just rolling and just like, here I come. And... Uh, she looked at me and she goes, Brian, you're really a nice guy. I go, I am, aren't I? She goes, let me tell you why I would never date you. I'm like, oh, no. She said, I'll never date you for this very reason, that you say you're a Christian, but you don't act like one. 
Yeah, we didn't have mics back then, but that was a mic drop, right? I walked away from that conversation humiliated. I walked away from that conversation convicted. I looked at one of my best friends, and I said, it's time to change. And uh, God rocked my world that day. And I had to learn how to have self-control against the culture. We got to have self-control. We got to have self-control against lustful desires today, do we not? The world's coming at us, y'all. Can, can we just get real here? I know we're a big room. I know there's 5,000 of us in this room. But, but let's just sit around the barn table real quick, and let's have a conversation. That little table at Joanna Gaines just built us, right? And let's just pretend it's right here, and it's just me and you, and we're just having a conversation, and, and I'm looking at you, and you look back at me, and you say, Brian, man, I, I'm chasing hashtags. I'm looking up different images that I shouldn't be looking up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting into things, I'm doing parties I shouldn't be at, I'm, I'm doing things with, with my boyfriend or girlfriend I shouldn't be doing, y'all know where I'm going. And, and we need to run from it. And we need self-control with it. Here's what I challenge you with. Add it to your faith. I'll give you a way how. Won't you add a little 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12 to your faith. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, and Corinthians when. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and I don't have it exactly memorized, but I'll give you a piece of it. But when he's writing to the church of Corinth, and as he's talking to the church of Corinth, he said, I can do in this city legally whatever I want to do, because everything is legal. But just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. Amen? Just because the world says it's okay doesn't say God says it's okay. Just because the world says it right doesn't say God says it's right. Some of you need a change. See, you're trying to do what you think is right or what the world says is right. And God says it's wrong. Follow God's ways, not the world's ways. Listen to me. So then Paul continues on. And he says, I will not be mastered by anything. And some of you need to memorize the principle of the I will not principle. See, when that image pops up, you need to start saying, oh, I will not. And then when you pass that good-looking individual walking down the hallway of school, oh, I will not. Right? When you go to the beach and you're walking down the beach, you start quoting 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I will not, I will not, I will not. No, I won't. And you need to say it out loud. Don't say it. Don't go, no, I will not, I will not, I will not, I will not. No, you shout it. Some of you need to practice this around camp this week. I will not. I promise I'm not, Lord. I, uh-uh. I will not. Why? Because you're adding self-control to your life. I will not. No, I won't. Can't even make me do it. Listen to me. As believers in Christ, remember, he's writing to believers. You need to learn how to have self-control. You need to add these things. You need to add moral excellence. You need to add a deeper knowledge of the word. You need to grow in your knowledge. You need to add self-control to your life. And the last one, you need to add perseverance. You need to add endurance to your life. You need to say, I'm willing to take any challenge. I'm willing to go whatever the length is. 
I'm willing to continue on. I will not stop. I will not quit. I, I will not be distracted. I am going to fully commit to my faith in Jesus Christ. I was in South Asia. I was sitting down with a group of uh, believers. And as we're sitting down with this group of believers, I, uh, we start hearing testimony after testimony after testimony. Then this lady walks in. She has a rag over her head. She's broken. She's hurt. She comes down and she sits down. One of my friends leaned over to me and said, this is about to be really powerful. Before she even started talking, a tear started flowing down her cheek. Through the translator, she proceeded to tell us, she said, my husband is a pastor. She told us the village they were from. She said, we've been winning people to Christ in our village. We've had over 200 people coming to our church every single Sunday. And then just a couple months ago, the government came in as we were having church, arrested my husband, and accused him of raping a four-year-old girl. She said, we didn't know the girl. We've never been around the girl. And so the lawyers proceeded to help them and went to the government and said, y'all have no evidence of this. You must release him. And they said, we will not release him for this crime. And on top of this crime, we know that y'all been evangelizing. And now we know the reason. And in the midst of their evangelism, they took her husband. They took him to court. When they took him to court, in the midst of the court case, they convicted him to a lifetime sentence in prison. Two months later, I'm sitting down with the lady. She begins to weep. As she began to weep, we looked at her and we said, how's your husband doing? And through her weeping eyes, she looked up. And as she looked up, she said, he's, he's, leading, a, uh, he's leading a church in prison now. Over 150 men have given their life to Christ in that prison. My husband stayed faithful. The band's going to come back out. As the band comes, I want to ask you. Everybody just look right here. Would you stay faithful? Would you be faithful? See, when we add to our faith daily, then we're going to grow up in our faith. The problem in a lot of our churches today, listen to me churches, the problem with a lot of our churches today is our believers are not adding to their faith. They're not growing up spiritually. So we don't have soul winners in our church. We don't have people with knowledge in our church. We might have a lot of passion, but we don't got a lot of Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus only Jesus. Period. That's all we need. Why? Why? Because while we were still sinners, oh, while we were still wretched, while we're still all jacked up, while we were still messy, Jesus came and died. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. And he did it as a gift. 
It was a gift of salvation. But you get the choice to receive it. I'll never forget I was preaching a camp like this. I get to the end and we, after the invitation, which is the time in which we, res- we challenge you to respond to the message. This young lady walked up to me, a senior in high school, and she was weeping. She said, Pastor, could I talk to you? And I said, absolutely. And we sat down and I began to talk to her. And as I was talking to her, she said, Pastor, I brought like seven or eight friends this week. I'm a leader in my youth ministry. My dad's a pastor on our staff. I am like, I'm like the poster child for our youth ministry. And I said, well, what do you, what's your struggle? She said, for years though, I've known I wasn't a Christian. I've just tried to work my way in. And uh, I'm scared to tell my dad. I'm scared to tell the youth ministry. But I know God's telling me it's time to surrender my life to him. And I just want to know, will you pray with me to give my life to Christ? Because it's time I stop being ashamed of the gospel. I've been personally ashamed of the gospel. I haven't been ashamed to share it. I've just been personally ashamed to surrender my life to it. We begin to pray. She's giving her life to Christ. Her dad walks up. That's what's going on, honey. She falls into his arms. Beautiful picture. Falls into his arms. She was weeping, and he looked at me like, what's wrong with my daughter? I said, man, I, to be honest, she just gave her life to Christ, and he began to weep looked at me and he said, Pastor, I know everybody thought she was a Christian, but God put it on our mom and I's heart about six months ago to start praying for the salvation of our daughter. We prayed for this moment because we knew just something told us she didn't know Jesus. We didn't want her to spend an eternity separated from God. for not turning her way, saying, no, 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 you're safe. No, 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 you're a leader. No, no, no. He said, thanks for just leading her to the Lord. Let me say this to you, False Creek. I don't know where you're at in your faith, but you can't add to something you don't have. You can't. And there's some tough young men in this room. And there's some really hard-hearted young ladies in this room. There's some counselors in this room. There might be college students in this room. And you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You know that if you died, you would not get to spend an eternity in heaven. And the conviction of God is all over you. I'm telling you right now, you can't add to what you don't have. Peter's telling you to add to your faith because he's speaking to Christians. But I want to pause and I want to speak to the non-Christians. Because I believe in a room this large, there's a lot of people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. You never received the gift. See, Jesus came as a gift. The question is, will you receive it? Here's what I believe. The Bible says this. Today is the day of God's favor, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. 
today is a day for you. Today is a day for you to say yes. Today is a day for you to stop jacking around with the past and start running with your present. And I want to tell you, it's not going to make your life necessarily easier, but it's going to provide the hope that only Jesus can provide in your life. And I want to tell you, it'll change you. It'll change everything about you. And if I could get on my knees and I could plead with you, stop running to the ways of the world and run to Jesus, I would simply because I believe it. I believe it, y'all. It changed me. April 24th, 1988, it changed me. Everything about me changed. And so because of it, I add to my faith. Because I got saved, I want self-control. Because I got saved, I I want deeper belief. Because I got saved, I want to live a life of moral excellence. Because I got saved, I want to spend time in God's Word. Because I'm saved, it changed me. I believe it. And I know it's true. We can debate it if you want, but you can't debate a changed life. You can't. And Jesus came to do the same thing in you. And tonight, in just a moment, the band's going to begin to lead us in a song. And in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand to your feet. And as soon as I have you stand to your feet, I'm going to ask you in this room, I believe there's going to be a lot of you. I just do. But I'm going to ask you in this room, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to leave your seat and to come stand right here with me. So I'm going to pray for us. When I'm done praying, we're all going to stand. And right now, some of you are nervous. You're like, "Ah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know, Pastor Brian. You don't know how bad I am. You don't know how much I've sinned. The Bible says that whoever believes, whoever believes, it don't matter how deep your sin is, because Jesus died for it. His grace is sufficient as much for you as it is for me. And so after I pray and we stand, we're going to ask you, no matter how nervous you are, no matter how scared you are, would you leave your seat and come join me right here? So Jesus, would you give, would you give incredible encouragement? God, would you shine and just let your Holy Spirit fall on this moment? God, would you do something in this room that is unspeakable? So we walk out saying that was a God moment. Lord, there's a young man in this room battling. There's young women in this room battling right now. God, would you be with them in this battle? Would you give them the strength to stand? Would you give them the strength to walk in front of this big old room and let them walk all the way forward and let them come and meet Jesus? Let them give their life to you tonight. Let them surrender their life over to you. Jesus, would you do it in so many lives? Would you do it in so many lives? Jesus' name I ask for it. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening.